Oh, sorry. Didn't hear you come in. But now that we got you, why don't you settle in and let us take a crack at all your hardest questions? Word of warning, no advice during this podcast should be followed. Well then, pitter-patter. It's been a long fucking year, I'm staying sober now. I can deal with the stress I get from going out. Going out. Then you call up my phone, you want a night out. No, I want to say no, but you're outside my house. Inside my house. Tanner, Rick Roll is not a type of sushi that you order in a restaurant. <laughs> you need to know this. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we are, of course, Mid-Best, Mid-Worst, where we take the internet's best and worst questions and we turn out some Midwestern advice. Today we have a special guest, someone I've been so excited, both Tanner and I have been excited to bring on the show. Um, he's here to gift us with his ancient-like wisdom and... and he can express his hatred of new technology and his love of hoop and stick. Scott Thompson, welcome to the show. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. Just real quick, get out of the way. I'm Shane, and I'll make love to you like you want me to, and I'll hold you tight, baby, all through the night. Hard to follow up to that, but I am Tanner, <laughs> and I went, to, I went to the store today, and I went to buy some stewing meat. But I bought brisket. I'm not sure if I should cook stew or brisket now. I wouldn't stew over it. <laughs> There's that heat that we've been missing like, this whole time. Would... Scott, could you say that again for me? <laughs> well, Tanner, don't stew over it. Oh, but, boy. <laughs> but that's what I've been doing. You don't use no, brisket don't stew... for stew meat. Okay, you just go for it. You made well, the can't... decision. You made the conscious decision to buy it. I can't stew. brew my I, I can't brew my brisket. Uh, I, I can't stew my brisket. Can I? You can do whatever you We're, want. It seems that it seems that Scott and I are at meat's ends over this Ooh. on which way you should go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're welcome for that. Uh, I I'm a believer that you don't you don't you don't use a brisket for stew meat. A brisket is on its own very good. You just make a brisket. You've changed your dinner plans. I did, but I, I was really wanting stew, though. Well, either way, you slow cook it, right? I mean, you slow cook a brisket, you slow cook a stew. Aren't they, like, one and the same, just you know, different I, form? I think so, just because, like like you're mentioning, when you, when you look at meat, there's two different ways to look at meat. One is, well, well specifically beef. Um, it's how much, how much fat does it have in it? And so like if it has a lot of fat in it, you can cook it fast on the marbling, but if it doesn't have a lot of that, then you have to slow cook it. So it kind of, um, gelatinizes itself. And so brisket, you want the brisket. Exactly. Exactly. So like when you're doing, uh, stewing meat, you, you kind of do the same thing as brisket. Mm. But then again, is it sacrilegious though to stew meat brisket? I'm a firm believer that you, you don't you don't do fair it. enough. What you do is you make brisket, you stew another night, <laughs> or you make the stew with the leftover brisket if there is any. Now that now Scott brings up a good point. Are we talking a leftover scenario here? Um, there there is a lot of meat there, so possibly. Okay, well, I'm sure next week we'll get a. A tasty update on on this great <laughs> 2020 conundrum that you found yourself in. Uh, 
Scott, we we have summoned you here uh, to a podcasting jury to set the record straight on several on several items that that we're going to be presenting to you. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> now, Tanner and I are underneath the memory and belief that throughout high school you only wore khakis and a sweater. Is this correct? Oh, that was a long time ago. Um, I think I have my senior picture as a corroboration of this. Yes, I can confirm that I believe I only wore cargo khakis and a skateboarding-esque hoodie. Okay. Uh, Follow-up question to the khakis. What were you doing with the excessive amount of pockets that your pants had? What were you storing in them? Correct answer they is were nothing. A, they were a stylistic choice. Oh, absolutely. I was I was very stylish in my cargo khakis. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tanner, make note of that. Were you ever were you ever able to do a kickflip within your khakis? I saw you do an Ollie, but were you ever able to do a kickflip? No, 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 no. Okay, so um, let me correct you there. Um I can't do a kickflip because I can't do an ollie. The ollie that you saw me do, I was actually falling, and the board did most of the work. <laughs> I believe I bruised my hips quite well on that one. <laughs> been been there a time or two, especially with uh, going over the the tracks with the uh, longboard. I remember uh, there was a day where we had gone longboarding, Tanner, uh, and... You were several sheets to the wind, if you will. Never been. (laughs) And I watched you in a two-hour period fall very hard three different times. One was uh, trying to longboard over a uh, construction orange netting material in in which your wheels got stuck and you fell. (laughs) And not even ten minutes later... Your wheels got stuck in the railroad tracks where you were thrown from your board and severely injured. And then I believe it was in in your great moment of clarity, the idea to go out into the country out by your grandparents' house where they had a big hill and longboard down that where I watched you get terrible speed wobble and bust your ass all over the pavement. Yeah, I did all of those three real hard. Same day. <laughs> yeah. It was the same day, same afternoon. Yeah, you you put your body through the ringer that day. That is no joke. I still walk with a limp because of it. Do you still have the lightning bolt scar? Yeah, yeah. I'm basically Harry Harry Potter of skateboarding. <laughs> Did want to get back into one uh, one additional question, just so we had it on record uh, from Scott, and I wanted to have this recorded uh, and, and to set the record straight, but also to prove entrapment in case he has been lying to us. Scott, are you in fact uh, the TV show star Beans from the hit show Even Stevens that's kind of infiltrated our lives and has filled us with all the great pleasures that come along with knowing Scott Thompson. I don't want to out myself here. Um, I need to <laughs> maintain some anonymity. Um, maybe? I just think it's it's funny that that show went off air, I, I believe, slightly before the time that you came to our school. Yes, so. I believe so. And I will find the And answer. I would like to know where is all that money? Like clearly you were a star Cargo and pants were expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so are skateboards. A, a, hefty, a, a hefty investment into cargo pants. Yes. <laughs> a squandered fortune. <laughs> you, you you've ordered from like the the skateboarding magazine like CCS and stuff like that.
you know how easy it is to drop three, four hundred dollars on a pair of shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. that's like, like that's all it takes is a pair of shoes. Because I remember, like, I, I had a couple of skater shoes, and they fit my feet so well. Like, I have some weird ass, like, wide feet, and so like skateboarding shoes work the best. But like, they are literally three hundred dollars. The the amount of time that I didn't do homework in class because I was circling things out of that stupid fucking skateboarding magazine of just things that I would want to buy at some point, but uh. My, my, it was expensive. My downfall with that was watches. So I would always buy like a nice, like a Nixon watch or something out of it. And then sure. back to Tanner's original comment, I would try to do a kickflip, but I can't do an ollie. So I would fall and break the watch and be upset about it. And then the next <laughs> week was like, mm, I should buy a watch. <laughs> no, learn from your mistakes. A real vicious circle. You know, actually, you guys have never seen a segue like this, but buying skateboarding stuff in high school is expensive, which leads us to our first question, which is my first job. Where should I work for my first job? I think that fits perfectly. If you're looking at spending, you know, hundreds of dollars a month on watches because you can't do an ollie, you know, you're going to need a means to support this. So uh, his first job, where should he work? I mean, what are, what are your options to begin with? Like, are you, are you in high school? Are you, uh, educated? Like so far as like, so like, uh, you know, did you get a degree in like technology or did you get a degree in something that leads you to your first job? Now, as you gentlemen know that we, uh, Shannon and I worked at Dryer's Diner, uh, growing up in high school. We did. And so that was a great first job. That actually was not my first job. Me neither. Was that your first job? No. <laughs> it's my first real job. Um, my, my first real job was, of course, working for Cozy Corner Cafe. Oh, that's right. I forgot for, about that. Yes, for a whopping, um, I don't want to brag, but I did make $2.50 an that's hour. That's what I made at Dryer's Diner. Is it really? I got paid like 6 bucks an hour. Well, if you want to count my tips, I kind of made like a little bit more, but... Uh... But yeah, it wasn't such a pop in place. It, what so fuck wild about Dryer's Diner is that uh, they owned the restaurant, but left it in charge of us all of the time. Like, especially breakfast. Like we would stay up all Friday night. We'd have like, like we were in high school and not to not, you know, sorry, mom, but we, we would have like a few beers and then we'd have energy drinks to make sure we were going to work. But we'd stay up all night and then go into work. I've stayed up all night with you guys like once. I can't. <laughs> That's true. You've never been one for an all night kind of boy. Like, mm -hmm. it, and this is why we refer to you as old and cantankerous. No, okay. So you. what happens is, is like I get, you know, sorry to go off on a tangent here, but I get tired and I try to burn your house down. Well, this is true, but I, I, I am not afraid to get Liz on here so she can testify to the fact that you, you will fall asleep at 8 9 o'clock most nights. Um, even on possibly a weekend. That, that is true. I wish I had the ability to do that. I can't. It's like nine o'clock rolls around and I, I'm just up. It's my second wind. I feel like it's a mild form of narcolepsy. I'll be sitting there having a conversation. I'll be watching TV or something and, or I'll be on the phone or whatever. And then boom, it's nine o'clock and Liz is waking me up. Like, let's go to bed. Like what happened the last probably two hours? <laughs> It was my... You became a sleepy boy. My pre-bed nap, yeah. So I, I think that that can tie back into the question too, is uh, if you're looking for your first job, are you a, a, an early riser or are you a, you a late night boy? 
do you like to do you like to see the sun come up? Well, you can sleep on a mattress for a living. Like you should probably go, you know, go have a job at a mattress te- testing like facility where you can just go sleep at seven thirty, <laughs> like Scotty. I think the best option here is wherever you apply to do like a reverse interview question, like. Is there an option to take a nap break? Are there fringe benefits? Like, do I get <laughs> like a 50% company discount or like a 100% company discount? Or can I make my own cheeseburgers and then not pay for them? Scott, I, I do apologize because what I thought you just said is, do you get French benefits? Where I thought you were going to maybe imply that is there free <laughs> garlic bread available at your job? Because that would uh, heavily influence <laughs> where I would be working. <laughs> no, it would be fringe benefits. Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, your first job, uh, I don't know, maybe play with the idea of taking a job you know you'll hate. Find your find your breaking limit. That way you don't have to find it later on in life. You know, do something you, you truly hate. And, and maybe, uh, maybe start eliminating. A process of elimination for this one. Uh, you you do not like uh, scooping shit. Well, you you know this now. I do know that, in, in, in fact, because that was my first job. Did you scoop shit? I did. Well, so, you grew up on a farm. Was that, no, was no, that your farm I, work? I grew up like on an acreage, not on a farm. Um, I ended up working for a neighbor that was a hog farmer, and I did that for like two weeks part-time, and then it was definitely time to uh, GTFO. I actually always found... <laughs> You know, that, that's the funny thing. Um, growing up in the Midwest, I actually always enjoyed doing uh, farm work to an extent. Uh, back before I was legally being paid where I paid taxes, I uh, worked on several fields baling hay and everything like that and, and actually enjoyed, you know, being outside. But as I got older, I realized that, fuck that. I don't want to do physical labor like that. <laughs> so I moved on to a much more cushy job where I get to sit. So <laughs> I like a comfy chair and air conditioning and not having to scoop shit. That's a big perk right now. <laughs> maybe maybe ask that like every job interview <laughs> you go into. Um, they're like, it, yeah. Uh, do I have to scoop shit? Like, Thank you for applying at Burger King. Um, <laughs> do you have any questions? And you say, do, do I have to scoop shit? In which they will respond define the shit <laughs> and and then you'll have that conversation maybe avoid uh if possible uh, i'm guessing what you're looking for you, you want something that's gonna you know give you a little walking around money mm-hmm. so what and if we're playing in the space that he is in high school what what type of work could we be looking at that's gonna give you a how old do you have to be to sell houses drug dealer Okay, well, this is a new direction, and let's go down that road real quick. Yeah, I think that's, like, the best walking around money. Yeah, there's no age for that, really. Well, actually, um, Tanner, they have changed that. You now have to be 14 uh, to sell weed. To be a drug dealer? (laughs) (laughs) To To illegally sell weed, you have to be 14. Ideally, you go through and get your certification, uh, everything like that, that shows that you're qualified to sell the drug that you're selling. Um, you don't want to be buying, I don't know, some type of hard class C drug from someone that maybe doesn't have the full knowledge of the product. So certifications are always important. Um, normally when buying drugs, you want to ask to see that type of evidence that they, they've done the classwork to. And if they can't provide it for you, if they can't provide it for you, they're not a reputable dealer. 
you need to find yourself someone that uh, it, that's enough. gonna take their career seriously. I mean, not some sort of used drug dealer. Yeah, <laughs> not not some second hand drug dealer. <laughs> you you want the tippity top drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> a certified one i find that that's a great step into getting into becoming a doctor where you basically peddle drugs the rest of your life so yeah what are your qualifications as a uh, student for our pharmacy school well i've been peddling drugs since i was 12 years old so i've been doing this half my life so i should be a pharmacist <laughs> i i I test all my drugs before I prescribe them. I have exceptional customer service. I deliver my own drugs. Like, like you, you guys, you, you make people come to you. So, like, tell us what qualifies you for uh, this uh, director of shipments uh, position that you've applied for. Well, you see, I've been in the distribution game for quite some time, and I've managed shipments going out all over the place. <laughs> I'm not one that will uh, that is fearful of rising early in the morning to make sure that my product gets out to people. So, in fact, I'll do it late at night. <laughs> Any time of the day, really. Um, all of my customers <laughs> have my direct secondary phone number that I keep on me. So, I do fear that um, selling drugs could lead into hurting your parents' feelings. Which leads us so nicely into our next question, which is our son hurts our feelings all the time. My son keeps saying really hurtful comments to us all the time. He is in his 20s, but behaves like a rebellious teenager. He can't afford to move out as his part-time internship isn't paying him enough, but he has a real issue with living here. He blames us for this and accuses us of holding him back in life. What should we do? Well, <laughs> it sounds to me like... Uh, you should kick him out. I don't have a better option, right? Oh, for sure. You got to kick him out because he's just being an ungrateful fuck. Now that's a good point too. Are you just like, wrong? are you just like worthless shit? That's fair. Or, or they should... and he's like, yeah, is he like a 4-0 college student and, and like you're not? Not saying that you have to be a 4-0 college student to have a 4-0 college student, but like, is he making a good valid point right now? Like, are you just sucky people? He walks in from his internship. He's like, God damn it, Carol, you burnt the fucking pasta again. Just, you don't have to do anything. I ask one thing. <laughs> just make a fucking meal. Right. And here it is. Is he making a valid point? Yes, absolutely. That's such a a, a weird question. Um, Again, being from the Midwest, Scott... Mm. I would like your insight on this uh, very much so. Could you uh, ever imagine backtalking the fine folks who have raised you? It hurt. <laughs> yes. It hurt a lot. My dad had a two-inch belt, and like, it really wasn't until like I was an adult, though. So <laughs> maybe kind of, yeah, I, backtalking is bad. Don't, don't, unless you have all of the proof to back it up, you could be sitting there and dwelling on it for weeks and weeks and weeks and bring it up and... It's like a two-minute conversation, and they shut you down, and you go back to your room, and you're like, wow, is this what the real world's like? Yeah, well, it sounds to me like this kid maybe needs a hard dose of reality, um, because I, I know growing up in my family, there there was uh, a very fine rule of, like, my house, my rules, mm -hmm. which is something that's ingrained in me, like, you, mm -hmm. if the people you're living with are paying for you to have a roof over your head, uh, you, you shut that mouth. You do not. You don't get a whole lot of input on how things go, especially in your. Yeah, life. you're not an adult yet. Like you're really not. Like you're 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 still kind of a child at 20 years old. So, 
Like, who are you to be having any sort of attitude well, like, at this it, point so in time? So 20s is, there's so much that happens to people in their 20s. Because you can go from 2021 and being a dipshit to 28, 29 and, you know, having a pretty established life. So <clears throat> it's such a varying mm-hmm. age range. It, it, like I said, maybe more so than any other decade of your life. Because uh, you do so much transitioning and development during that time. So if we're talking, if he's, say, 20. He's probably still in college, uh, sophomore, junior-ish year, we'd say. It sounds like he has an internship. This could yeah. be uh, his moment where he, he's starting to feel like he's becoming the big dog, mm-hmm. where he, he knows a little bit of that independence, and he's going he's gonna to start barking. And what you need to do is shut that shit down. So that way, when he gets to his first real job... And and he goes to pull that. He's going to remember that and be like, "Hey, maybe I maybe I shouldn't bark at the people in church." If- that's a, that's a good life lesson because, like, really, uh, you know, we, like when you go throughout life and all that, like, your parents kind of show you the authority, like the authority. And if you go to your job thinking you're a big baller, like a baller overnight, big reality check is that you're not, and you're going to get done you know, fucked I up. I think these parents need to exercise the tools that they have in their uh, in their portfolio. Um, so he's only 20 years old and he's living at home. Just bring up the point that he they're still paying his insurance. I got you to your 26. I own you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to pay this on your own? Good luck, bud. Like I don't have kids, but I'm totally working to like figure that into a conversation when we do have kids. Like the first time they're like twelve and they back talk, be like, "I have your insurance. Good luck trying to pay that on your own." I think start younger. Your insurance is yeah, more expensive maybe. than what you make a month. Like it's eight hundred dollars a month for your insurance. So, bitch, please. Scott's going to be standing over his baby in a crib, just going, "You're mine. You have nowhere to go. <laughs> You're just a dumb baby. I own you. You can't survive without me." Yeah, maybe do that. Um, quit doing his laundry. I found that my attitude oftenly changed the second someone quit doing laundry for me. <laughs> the, the first time he wakes up, he's like, what? No clean drawers. Oh, no. I need to fix this. Give him chores. The world is your oyster. There has to be some, re- right, there has to be some, some responsibility that you can, like, build upon this. Like, clearly this child, this 20-year-old, has never had any responsibility whatsoever. And so, like, you've clearly not done your job as a parent. Yeah, so maybe this, you're this the seems like it's probably equal parts both people's fault right i mean right like it, it, it almost seems like they maybe spent too much time coddling coddling this young young person um and not teaching them you know consequences or uh frankly respect <laughs> and and it's on him your parent especially when you're living with them i can understand having a disagreement with your parents when you're out of the house if they're trying to control what you're doing with your life it, you know you need to be able to take constructive criticism but at the same time it's your life do what you want but you can't, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. You don't bite the hand that folds your laundry. So <laughs> you don't, you don't bite the hand that, that folds your underwear. Yeah. I, I, I would say, uh, maybe some backlash, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying like get into a verbal disagreement with him, but you can, uh, you can be petty in this situation. You can, uh, start cutting off stuff. He needs a little gas money. Yeah. I don't think so, bud. Sorry about that. Oh, you, you only made supper for you and your husband? Yeah, that's on him. You know, he, he needs to learn. He wants to make those reasonable choices. Then uh, he needs to be able to provide. It's as simple as that. I think we're all in agreement here, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Tanner, do you want to hit us with our next question? I'm curious where the Taco Bell went. Used to be there. Where did the Taco Bell go? Taco Bells don't often we just leave overnight. <clears throat> Are we talking like the whole building's gone situation or just no one's home? I think I think there was a Taco Bell there and now it's a vacant building. Mm, I like the idea that the Taco Bell left. I like the idea that it just like <laughs> got up and left one night like, I ain't dealing with this <laughs> no more. Like just some sassy mm. attitude and just like kind of snapping its fingers and walking away. <laughs> at, at, I'm out this bitch. At night after fourth meal has completed, the Taco Bell calls its other Taco Bell friends and it, it's been complaining about you. It's like, Greg was back again today. Oh no, tell us what happened. Um, he, he used me like he normally does. Uh, he, he got two quesarita burritos and of course uh, the, the hot sauce that he likes and then just left. I feel like Greg doesn't spend enough time with me. The quality of time that we have is not there. And I, I want to find someone better. And the Taco Bell decided to leave in search of someone that would respect their burritos maybe a little bit more. Can I be honest with you? I believe mm -hmm. I'm the reason why the Taco Bell left. Okay, let's get into this. I'm pretty much, you know, a law-abiding citizen, right? But when it comes to Taco Bell... No. <laughs> yeah, first of all... <laughs> first of all, you're not. So let's let's clear, let's clear the air on first of all, you're not. But you like to think you are. But <laughs> you like to think you are, but you're not. Yeah, you like to pretend in your community that you're a law-abiding citizen, but we, we know what dark secrets happen behind closed doors. Oh, gosh, no. Mild theft is not above me when I'm in a Taco Bell. Yes, I'll go up, I'll order my cheesy gordita crunch and my soft beef taco supremes, but when it comes to the condiment counter, it's like a free-for-all. I have had to put more than one Taco Bell in financial distress with the amount of hot sauce that I have taken. If we're just laying the cards out on the table with boys... Um, I too have filled a, a Taco Bell to go bag with entirely, I've removed food from the bag to fill up the bag with more taco sauce. There was a, a, a moment in my life where I knew that I was eating Taco Bell and later on that week I would be enjoying tacos at my own house, uh, made by me, not, not Greg Taco Bell, but I would be preparing them <laughs> and I filled that bag clear, plumb full of every variety of Taco Bell sauce, <laughs> left them barren, <laughs> and I felt no shame at all. Now, we're back on to condiments again, which is kind of weird how often we come around to condiments on this show. To be fair, like, it is kind of weird how much we talk um, about it. I also am not one that will feel guilty when going through a McDonald's drive-thru and I ask for ketchup and they offer to hand me two ketchup packets where I say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to need you to use both hands to scoop the ketchup into my bag. <laughs> Knowing that I'll only use like two or three packets. When they get the, the ketchup into the McDonald's, one unit is a crate. You have, I've clearly heard that you've asked for two crates, two units. I would like two metric tons of ketchup, please. Yes, please. I would like well, to go home. Are, I would like a bag of ketchup. So I'm going for the whole bag, actually. First of all, do you do you boys remember when McDonald's used to just put ketchup in the bag? Yeah. Do, do, does that does that not never. happen anymore? They refuse. They safeguard their fucking delicious little ketchup packets, like like I am taking the lifeblood of Ronald fucking McDonald. Like he sort he lives off of the ketchup, and, and I'm this motherfucker <laughs> will not just put it in bags. So. So time, so time out, time Why out, so time out. 
I just realized just now, I just realized just now that they didn't give ketchup out. Like that is just, that is an epiphany that just hit me right now. Like growing up, they always had ketchup yes. in the bags. They don't have Correct. that anymore. I didn't, well, cause I never ate it. So I didn't, you know, go back to like episode two. I don't need a whole lot of condiments. We used to throw the ketchup pa- packets in the fridge. I didn't realize they didn't give ketchup packets out at fast food See, restaurants. Well, everyone is so worried about the Illuminati and the New World Order. What I fear is these the secret organization <laughs> of these uh, fast food chain owners, uh, Dave McDonald's and Jeff Wendy's and, and Greg Burger King, <laughs> where they get together once a year and they make these decisions that are inadvertently affecting everyone's livelihood. Sometime in the early 2000s, these fuckers got together and said – no more free ketchup. We're cutting off the ketchup train. What? And we will make them ask like yes, they we will make them ask like peasants at the drive-through window to please sir, can, may I have some more ketchup? So you're here sorry to go on a tangent. Do you ever salt your ketchup? No. I'm not a sodium boy. I used to, I used to salt the ketchup all the time. And man does that make a difference. Well, it's you you are salting something that's already very salty. It's like the major ingredient. It's, it's kind of salty. It's not very salty. <laughs> yeah, it's tomato. Like, <laughs> it's tomato. Uh, it's, it's, it's salt and red food coloring. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So here's the difference. Take a tomato and put it on the counter, and put a bottle of ketchup on the counter, and see which one lasts. It's the sodium. You are eating a salt tomato, and now you want to salt it again. I- I'll be honest, I, I've never seen the expiration date of a bottle of ketchup because it has never made it that close to expiring. <laughs> the shelf life of ketchup could be one week and I'm never going to experience it. <laughs> I have. <laughs> so. When we'll have dinner, sometimes, yeah, we'll, you know, sometimes we'll have dinner and there'll be like a, a half a bottle of ketchup on the table and I will go to the cupboard and get a subsidiary bottle of ketchup. Oh yeah, that's become a like a part of our routine. Like, I, I maybe it's because I was in the Boy Scouts, but I'm always prepared. Oh, yeah. when it comes to ketchup, that's one thing I do not let run out in my house. Like, I, I will always have a backup bottle of ketchup. Uh, much like Sabrina will always have a backup bottle of ranch because those two things we can. It's just they go. We go through them so very obscenely fast. An alarming rate is <laughs> how fast we go through those. <laughs> you know, and man, not to be the the segue king of this episode, but you know, speaking of a a more simple time of when they would put ketchup into bags, we have our next question, which asks, "How was it like to grow up in the eighties and nineties? How similar was it compared to how the eighties and nineties are depicted in movies and TV?" I want to live my life like I'm in the 80s and 90s. How can I best go about this? Uh, I want to hit this one right off. Uh, Tanner, uh, I know that we, we spoke. You remember them. Scott, I'm hoping that you remember them. Uh, bell hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the full brim around the head bell hat. Kind of look like a, an old fisherman cap. But do you remember in the 90s when they would have like a million different styles of them and Really, I, I had enough to coordinate with any outfit I wore. I had a bell hat for every occasion. I had my funeral bell hat. I had my I'm going to McDonald's bell hat. Um, Scott, 
you're from the 90s. We talked about your love of khaki shorts. Something you could have put in your khaki shorts is <laughs> hacky sacks. You could have fit so many hacky sacks into your shorts. Yep, absolutely. Um, and in fact, a time or two, I did fit many hacky sacks into my shorts. I love hacky sack. And I wish, why don't we, I wish, do you remember, okay, here's a little bit of a story. I remember uh, being being a young man of uh, maybe about six to seven years old, and I went outside where my brother and his friends were standing in a circle kicking the hacky sack around, and I would see this in different groups of young men across our town of only 1,000. When did people quit playing hacky sack? Why don't we see just roving gangs of hacky sackers anymore? Do they not happen at concerts anymore? Like, I feel like that's a concert thing to do. Like, when you go to a concert, you play hacky sack. We went to Sunshine and played the fuck out of some hacky sack, didn't we? We did. It was like 130 Indeed. degrees out, just kicking a sack full of beans. <laughs> so Rice. <laughs> I'm going to call some stuff out here. Okay. Here's where hacky sack died. So you kick the thing around for like an hour, right? And then you realize that it is way more fun to throw it at somebody. Because really, that little bag of beans or rice or whatever is in it, pell pel pellets, um, it hurts a lot when you get hit like in the back with it, right? Before long, you hit the wrong kid and, I don't know, we'll call her Karen comes down. Karen is, a, you know, a, is this child's mother, the child that couldn't take the hit. And she comes, do, 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 here comes Karen, and that's where Hacky Sack died. Karen killed Hacky Sack. <laughs> it seems like something Karen would kill. Uh, good news, I just went on Amazon, and I have two days shipped a Hacky Sack to my house. <laughs> so, I just bought a Hacky Sack. Well, too bad we can't play, because I will break a hip. These are good points. I have not hacky sacked in quite some time. You know, we've been on about the hacky sack, and we talked about the bell hats. What other... 80s and 90s things can you do if you wanted to truly live your life you have to get rid of your cell phone right mm -hmm. yeah get rid of the cell phone you need ribbed jeans and a flannel shirt yeah a pda no like a beeper yeah, like, like an actual, like, like a beeper beeper like somebody calls your right, beeper yeah. and gets your number like and pager? You call the number back but scott when you get the beeping page you need to remind yourself that you got it so you have to put it into your pda oh yeah yeah the little, the little stylist, like, note-taking and, like, schedule an agenda note. So... It's a very 90s. I remember owning one. So the, the deal about the 80s and 90s, it was all about the look. So if you really, really want to relive the 80s and the 90s, if you want to emulate that, go get your ear pierced with something dangly. Go take all of your life savings out <laughs> and purchase two things. Well, three things, really. One leads to the other to the other. First, you go to your local store and you buy everything denim. Yes. You then go buy a 1986 mm -hmm. Toyota Supra and you drive that directly to a cocaine dealer. <laughs> you are living your best 80s life right now. That is 80s. That is, that is 80s in that a nutshell. Like, you need to, oh God. Well, if we're going down that road, then you need a cassette player or an A-track. An A-track. And you need to... You only need to listen to Pour Some Sugar On Me. Yes. Some hair That's bands. That's it. And then, oh, like, yeah. not know all of the words. Yes. Yeah, only the chorus. Yeah. You can only know the chorus. 
I will allow you to know two songs in entirety, like two power ballads. Like you can know uh, Every Rose Has a Thorn by Poison. And mm-hmm. let's give them Sweet Child of Mine. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. And you need to like scoop the loop by the rec center like four or five times. Get real into cool. pinball. Yeah. We're, and we're also not talking about the 90s in that Green Day. Or Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, this is true. We had the uh, like the pop, like the pop punk movement of like everything, like the like they like it was so crazy to me to realize like back in the day the music that we loved was actually popular. Like Blink One Eighty Two was a thing that like people liked, like people oh, actually playing in. Yeah, it was people were playing instruments. Right. How fucking weird. Yeah, that is weird. Like now, like if you have instruments in a band, you're basically a folk band, right? You're like the Lumineers if you have instruments. <laughs> like that that's all you can be. Yeah. Um the 90s so you know, sitting around, I think everyone's had this conversation that you could uh talk about like what what decade, what era would you most like to live in? And and even though we grew up in the 90s, I almost wish I were an adult in the nineties, like not, not in my thirties and forties, mm-hmm. but like maybe my late teenage years, early twenties, because the nineties, the nineties for our generation were the sixties, late sixties, early seventies for the previous generations. Like it, they had that, uh, for sure. you know, free love movement, everything like that. We had, um, that angsty nineties, like grunge scene that came out early 90s with nirvana Mm -hmm. and bush and all those other great bands uh you also had that punk pop culture that really influenced america that hit right at that time early 90s you had you know blink 182 uh green day uh, you know a plethora of bands to choose from and then you also had move forward a little bit you had uh the great you know rap scene that came out in new york and uh compton la at the time Uh, so you had the revolution of rap and the new direction it was going uh, away from like the 80s more um, funk rap, I would say. You had boy bands, late 90s, when they hit the scene. You had, you know, NSYNC, like Boys, Boys to Men, Men. Uh, Backstreet Boys. We have... Oh, yeah. I forgot. I almost forgot all about those. Like, how great. Like, what a time to be alive. Like, I was always like ashamed of it. But now, like the way you're explaining this. We had everything. What a, what, a, what a great time. We have the best. If none life. of those genres fit you, we also have the unspoken about time where <laughs> where Big Band came back uh, with a Zoot Suit Riot and, yeah, well, Swing. Like, like Scott, yeah. like Les oh, and yeah, Jake. Les and Jake of Real Big Fish. You know, we kind, 90s kind of had something for everyone that you could really dive deep into. So I think if you want to... Yeah, they were they were like that platter, like the appetizer, where like you know you can get like you know you get three chicken wings, you get three uh, a little of this, a little nachos, a little a little this, a little that. Like the nineties were that, where a little bit of everything was. Now there you say for that, you. and I immediately think of Lou Bega with a little bit of Monica in my life. So you know that was also in the nineties. <laughs> you know, it was such a crazy. It it, it was it. I won't be as bold to say as the best decade. I think that every decade maybe has something to offer, but you know, I'm not ashamed to have grown up in the nineties. I think we had, there's definitely things to love about it. We had some great movies that came out of the nineties. We had a great music scene that happened. Um, The, 
the world wasn't so chill in a lot of areas, but in the area we grew up in, it was pretty chill. So, I mean, we got to see the revolution of technology also during that time, going from no computers in the home to people having computers in the home. So, so you have to have dial-up. So that's one of the things. If you really want the 90s experience, you have to have dial-up. You, know, you have to listen to that really annoying, like, me, me, yes. You're, Whatever that you're is. also going to get rid of your Spotify, get rid of your iTunes music, and download Kazaa, and then plan on exactly 10 minutes later taking your computer to a technician to fix because of all the cool viruses you just let, you just let into your computer. Just remember, you're going to so. have to sit here, you have to get rid of your iPod and your MP3 players, and you're going to have to sit here and burn a CD. I miss... I miss mixed CDs. I miss burning CDs. Like, how 90s can that be? Like, burning a CD, like, there's a lot of work into it. And you just take all, like, you have, like, 10,000 songs. You pick 12. You throw it in. And then you have to take one off because it's too long. Like, you have to, like, have that perfect, like, that perfect, like, scenario where you're you're able to, like, fit a whole thing on the CD. It's a whole, like, it's like the mixtape. Correct. And, you know, with that, I I would argue that anyone that was old enough to burn a CD in the 90s was basically a music producer and composer because you you didn't just you Mm -hmm. put so much time and effort into the songs that you played and what order they played in. And the exactly like the arrangement of it all, like that played such an important role in making sure like everything flowed smoothly. And I remember I always had certain key songs that went on to I would have. 50 burn CDs sitting in a CD. Do you remember CD binders oh, for your car? Do you remember they used to make visors that held CDs? <laughs> what happened? And, and, and then the lights. You have to have the, like the, uh, the neon lights that are like underneath your like mm-hmm. underneath your feet. Like you have like the glowing thing. I had oh, yeah, that going underglow, on. The Fast and the Furious time Shane, where we're, we all wanted to be. Go ahead. I remember we had to stop, get out of your car, go to the trunk. Eject your CD changer to change disc. Correct. I had a six-disc CD changer that was built into the trunk of the car for the most inconvenient access. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, I almost feel bad for the younger generation that won't – is it just us being old? Is that what's happening right now? Are we remembering on maybe a more simple time that wasn't so great? This is no – like this is no different than like someone from the, that grew up in the seventies that put on a record. And, like I used to have to get my ass out of the couch, put on a record, and then put it on. Like that's what we did. Like we kind of put a record in the CD player. Oh, okay. Boy. So I, I will confirm your accusation one hundred percent right now. Um, so we were just having a conversation about you know having to go back to the trunk to change CDs in your, in yes. your CD changer. I got upset. The other day, I was in my truck, and I wanted to um, play music from my phone, and I didn't have like the Bluetooth or anything set up. There's question or there's a point one, but so I have a lightning port on my phone. I no longer have a three point five millimeter audio jack. I was upset for two and a half hours because I had to go find and then purchase. A dongle is what they call it. It changes a 3.5 millimeter to a lightning port for my new iPhone. I was mad 
for two hours that I had to buy a $9 conversion. It didn't even cross my mind, like, get out of the truck, go outside the truck, change the music, get back in the truck. Like, no, I'm mad because I can't listen to my phone right now. It's true. Like, I, I think I take for granted having Bluetooth in, like, every vehicle I own. Um, just the ability to, like, click a button and play music through. Like, you, I, I don't need converters anymore. I I remember, like, uh, owning cars that did not have CD players. So I had to get a tape-to-CD player converter. So I could – and it was, like, a portable CD player that you plugged in with the tape into your dash. And then you could play CDs through it. Um so, it, man, if you want to live your life like you're in the 90s, just inconvenience yourself all the time. <laughs> I, I think that that's the easiest <laughs> way to replicate the 90s. Get rid of your cell phone and just do things in a more difficult way. And, and you know, speaking, speaking of these troubling times, we have a next question. What, what is the scariest thing to happen to you when you've been home alone? No, we're taking a hard change from going from a nostalgic 90s period to maybe a more spooky time in your life but would you would either of you find boys like to like to speak on maybe the scariest thing that's ever happened to you when you've been home alone um i wasn't scared but i do want to say that i think the two the, the both of you were in the house in fairmont and that upstairs had some aura about it like you, you, you went upstairs, there was like closed doors. So like half the house was closed off. And then if, if you came through the front door, you just went straight upstairs and there was two bedrooms and a bathroom, but there was also a door that had something behind it and it was the attic and I opened it once and everything ever since then, like I'm still haunted. Like it, it was so scary. I, I swear to this day, there's still voodoo shit that went on beyond that beyond that wall and anytime i went upstairs like i was still scared about it like i, I wasn't home alone but it's still like it still makes me like Whoa. well i i do have a story i do want to point out tanner what i think is so funny about that is that in my current home in my closet in my bedroom i have a door that i have never once opened it when i don't don't like never open, like sorry to cut you off but oh, oh, never yes. open that like the best like the best decision you could ever make in your life is to See, not open I, that. I'm, I'm in a complete agreement now because whenever someone comes into my house and i tell them about my secret door they say well let's go open it and i say absolutely not there is no way i'm about yeah i'm like you're not you're not fucking up your life you're fucking up my life you know, again, I hate to harpen back to me seeing the Paranormal Activity movies, but I know what happens when you just open doors. You don't do it. You, you never do it. If you have a secret door in your house and you haven't opened it yet, don't. Just pretend like that door is never there. <laughs> I've lived in this house now for That's all there is to three it. years. Not only have I never wanted to open the door, most days I forget it's there. So it's only in these moments where I talk about it. And now I have a terrifying feeling that something it behind that door has hurt me. You you know there you know like beyond that door there has been candles, there is a pentagram, yes. and there has been some weird ass music that has been played back there. Yeah, like it just that that's what there's like someone has been sacrificed back there. There is lost life. Sorry to be grim. 
But there is some weird shit that has gone yeah, on back Midwestern, there. Midwestern uh, nomenclature for y'all. Not my pig, not my farm. <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> so mine, it wasn't a house that I owned. Um, but when I was in college, I lived in a theme house. And it wasn't in my room. It was my next door neighbor's room. I mean, it was all, it was a communal house. Um, so it was my roommate's bedroom and uh, had permission to go in there just so, you know, if anybody hears this, it's not like I was breaking into their place. You know, I was in the house alone and uh, they had two closets in their bedroom. One was functional and the other one, you open a door up and it was a staircase going up into the unfinished attic. It was a finished staircase, nice, beautiful, hardwood finished staircase going up to essentially like a trap door going into the attic. And so I got courageous enough that I'm like, you know what? This is interesting. I really want to just go up there. And I went through the closet door and I started walking up the stairs. And this was in the middle of summer. And that trap door was so ice cold. I couldn't do it. I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let my curiosity peak right there. I turned. And that's the only reason why you're alive. You don't. You don't fuck with things that are supposed to be hot that are too cold. Right. Even if I leave a pop sit down in the room too long and I feel like it's a little too cold, I'm not drinking that ghost pop. Absolutely not. There's been spectral fingers <laughs> up in it. There's no way I'm going to drink that ghost pop. No. See, my 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 uh, probably one of the scarier things that had happened to me when a child. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't involve ghosts. Although, and I can save it for another podcast uh, episode where I go into great detail about how the bar that my parents owned was very haunted, and I can I could talk hours and speak volumes on that. About and that's a, that was the uh, the uh, arm, like the city center. What was it called? It was, uh, uh, well, the bar was called Spike's Bar, uh, named after my dad's last name, and, and it was his bar. But it was it used to be the old Armstrong uh, Community Hall. Community yeah. Hall. That's right. Yeah. So I could go in on that, but instead I will tell a story about a very a very big cat. Now at my parents' house, our uh, family computer used to be on the front porch. And while I was, mm-hmm. uh, my, my parents were over at friends of theirs having a couple drinks and I was using the computer, uh, probably to illegally download a ton of music. So while sitting there, I heard something, uh, right above there is a porch, uh, roof. And I kept on hearing something stomping around on there and I couldn't figure out what it was. So I went upstairs to my room, uh, where my bed was. I had a window that looked right out where you could step out the window onto that roof. And on top of there, I saw... Oh, the only way I could describe it was about a six foot long black cat, giant fucking cat. And it scared the hell out of me. So I ran downstairs where we still had a corded phone and I called my uh, mom and dad's friend's house and I told my mom, I go, hey, there's a giant fucking cat on the roof. What do I do? In which she responded, quit fucking around and hung up the phone on me. Now... It was the next day where we received the paper that said, up in Minnesota, where there was a wildcat rescue, a Black Panther had escaped from there and was spotted down by Armstrong, Iowa. There was a fucking Black Panther on the roof, and I was looking at eye to eye through my bedroom window 
where yes, um, my mom had no fear of my life at all. No, none. because you know, a couple a couple drinks in, not my problem. So I think that one of the scariest things ever was your basement in the house you grew up. Oh in. yeah, that that hellish nightmare the, landscape. I just yeah that that made my butthole tingle. I I remember like uh, it, it, that basement uh, where the uh, power shut off and all the breakers were. You had to go through the basement, which was already terrifying enough. But then there was a step up. And well, yeah, well, sorry, you had to go through like the. Wasn't there like a area where you you went out of the kitchen into like a porch area? Then you had to go down right. the basement. And, and what covered the basement steps was a trap door. Well, not a trap door, but a heavy like closing door, like on the floor. So you had to pull it up yeah. to walk down the steps. Uh, yeah. Then down in the basement, uh, outside of it being very terrifying, uh, where the breaker box was, was at the back of the basement, you had to step up onto a ledge and then crawl underneath the house to get to this breaker box because whatever electrician put it there is a fuckhead. And I don't know why he wouldn't put it somewhere more <laughs> convenient. And like if we had the stove going and the microwave and several other things, sometimes you'd break the breaker. And I remember it would do that while no one else was home and I had to go down there at night with a flashlight and... Never once did I not, um, if not did, but almost shit my pants because it was <laughs> the worst experience <laughs> in my whole entire life. Yeah, terrifying basements, I think, uh, are, are a lot of people's contenders. Unless like you're one. Now, Scott, you had a nice basement where where you were at up here in Armstrong. Yeah, in the new house. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we originally moved to Armstrong, we moved to um, an old farmhouse. And mm -hmm. that had a super sketchy basement, kind of like what you've described. Like you have to go out of the house and then go in through like one of those like Velcro doors, like the triangular metal doors. Um, so you had to open that up and then you had to go downstairs and the house was built in like the 1880s. Um, so, you know, dirt floor, boulder basement, probably like some super duper radon stuff. Um, oh yeah like hit your head on the the floor joists as you're walking through never ran upstairs so fast in my life ever i'm not afraid of salamanders but i'm afraid of salamanders in a basement <laughs> i don't know why i i, I don't hey. i'm not afraid of spiders but i'm afraid of spiders in a basement <laughs> like gone gone up the stairs oh i'm afraid of spiders everywhere yeah yeah well everyone knows that now um hey you know what boys I've had a lot of fun. Um, here's to a life of living without creepy basements going forward. Uh, I hope that we can all <laughs> take that luxury and move forward with it in our life and put scary basements behind us. Uh, Scott, yes. I want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart for coming on and indulging us and, and spending some time with us. Uh, we always appreciate it. I know for a fact that we're going to have you back on so you can gift our audience with your, again, great insight and maybe some shenanigans that you've been up to more recently or some shenanigans that we didn't cover that we've done in the past. Uh, another set of people I'd like to thank is, of course, the band All My Friends Hate Me for the use of the song Stay Up off the album Metal Butterflies. Uh, you can check them out on Spotify. And always while you're there, go ahead and check out our back episodes again. This will be episode six, if I uh, remember correctly. So mm -hmm. we have enough stuff to keep you busy. You can binge. I know Scott just actually binged uh, several of our last episodes this last week, catching up to record this episode. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at midbestmidworse. And I, I know Tanner's going to harp on you guys. But again, we're still looking for that first question that's sent in to us. And if you have one, you can send it into mbmwshow at gmail.com. Uh, Tanner, would you like to say anything? Um, 
Uh, again, thanks for Scotty for being here. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll harp on everyone. Send us your questions. Send us your workers' questions. If you're if your worker if your coworker sends some weird ass question or says something dumb, send it to us. We can spin it. We can yeah. make it work. So send us your questions. We'll make it work, and we'll go from there. Yeah. And with that, uh, I've been Tanner. I've been your mid best. And I'm Shane. I'm your mid worst. And as sure as Jesus wears sandals, we'll see you next week. You always give me that. I can't say no to you. I'll always take it there. Cause I can take the